talking to Brother Dave before service. I mentioned that, and uh, as he said, reaching out to Michael's today. We got a message from him today in our family's group message. We're talking about uh, all the, it's just all of them saying happy birthday to me this morning. He said something about preaching on your birthday. I was like, you know, I've been doing that since I was 17. <laughs> Preaching close to my birthday since I was 15, and um, the only year that I have missed since 17 was 2019. Um, and what I was told today was like, I cannot believe that it's been 10 years since I received my call to preach. Amen. Uh, that night, like 10 years ago, and uh, you know, honestly. A uh, little taste of what's going to be said tonight. There was there was a young man who received a call in much the same way that I did. I'm going to speak about him tonight to them. They're not going to see this, so I can go ahead and tell you. I'm going to be saying a little bit about Samuel, about releasing. We need to release our children the same way that Hannah did to be able to uh, to be able to speak the word of God. I'm very thankful for parents that did that to release me. To be able to minister the way that God is calling me to minister. I'm very thankful for that. Someone please give your pastor and pastor's wife a good hand. For being willing to let, to let their family minister. Not just personal. We need to release people to be able to minister the way that they are supposed to minister. So thankful for that. Anyway, that's not my message at all this morning. So, if you would, let's all stand and let's turn to Genesis chapter 30. And, or, sorry, I'm going to talk about Genesis 30, but we're going to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we're going to read verse number 19. 2 Timothy 2, verse number 19. If you're there, please say amen. 2 Timothy 2, verse 19. If you're there, please say amen. amen. It is going to be up on the screen. So, we can start reading. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for all that you've done. I thank you for what you, this word that you've given me, and I pray that you would help me to speak the way that you want me to speak this morning. I pray that you would reveal your word through me today. You, in prayer, you... You told me that you would give me the words to say, that you would that you would deliver this message. You called me to carry your word, and I pray that you would help me to carry the word that you have given me today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your power, and I'm submitted to the word, the spirit, the blood that you have given for me. In Jesus' name, I love you, Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you all for standing for and honoring the Word of God. 
in Genesis 30, we read about Jacob. If you are keeping up with either the bread chart or the online Bible plan that we are reading through together as a church, uh, then you have read this story this year in Genesis 30. You see, Jacob came and served under his father-in-law Laban for at least 14 years. And during those 14 years, he uh, married two wives, was given two handmaidens, and he also he also uh, had about 11 kids or 12. He had 11 sons, one daughter during that time. And he, years later, he would have one more son. But during those 14 years, he now had 12 kids that we know of by name. And he has been serving for his father-in-law for 14 years. And he is ready to break off on his own. For it says in the book of Genesis, For this cause a man will leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. He had left his father and mother, but he had not left his father-in-law. And from what I hear, I'm not sure everyone exactly would love this arrangement of working for their father-in-law, having him under their thumb and saying, oh, well, I'm going to make sure that my grandbabies are going to be close to me. I'm going to make sure that you're taking care of my daughter, right? I'm, now, son, I know that, um, I don't know exactly how Laban was acting, but I do know that when Jacob comes to Laban and Genesis 30, he says, look, I, I, I can, can I just head out of here? Can, can I leave? Can, can, can I go? Look, uh, look, my, I, Joseph has been born. I've got, I've got plenty of kids. I've got all this. And, you know, I just think things are getting a little crowded around here between me and you both. So give me my wives, my children, for whom I've served thee, and let me go. You know my service, which I've done for you. Then Laban said, I pray thee, if I have found favor, stay. I don't want you taking my grandkids and moving across the country on me. No, no grandfather wants that. No, no father wants his daughters to move all the way across the country. And he's like, look, I'm ready to go, though. Look, I'm really, I'm just ready to move out. He's ready to break off. And he says, okay, okay, here's, here's what we're going to do. Just tell me something else to pay. Hey, I, I know we said 14 years, you agreed for 14 years to marry my two daughters. Um, how about I pay you something different? So here's what he agreed to. He said, okay. I'm going to go through the flocks of sheep that you have me watching over, and every sheep that is brown or speckled or spotted or ring-straked, as he said, I will take those. Every one of them that isn't pure white will be mine. And so shall my righteousness answer for me in time to come. For when it shall come from my hire before thy face, every one that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and brown among the sheep, those will be counted stolen with me. And Laban said, Let it be according to your word. 
So Jacob went through, he took the he-goats that were ring-straked and spotted, all the she-goats that were speckled and spotted, and everyone that had some white in it, and all the brown among the sheep, and gave them into the hands of his sons. He went three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. You see, he needed a defining difference between what was his and what was Laban's. There had to be a defining difference between the sheep of Jacob and the sheep of Laban. I hope I'm not losing quite yet. Defining difference. Years later, it's almost 500 years later that we read about a certain sheep that had to be different. In Exodus chapter number 12, we read about a man named Moses. You should probably have also read this by now in your Bible reading plans. <laughs> Exodus 12 and verse number 5. God is speaking down and says, I need some different looking sheep too. He says, your lamb will be without blemish, a male of the first year. You will take it out from the sheep or from the goats. He told Moses to speak to the whole congregation. He says, in the 10th day of this month, take every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. If it's too little a house, if it's too big of a house, one lamb. Your lamb will be without blemish, a male of the first year. Take it out from the sheep. Keep it until the 14th day of that month. The whole assembly of Israel will kill those lambs in the evening. They take the blood, strike it on the two side posts of the upper door, wherein you will eat it. And they will eat the flesh in that night, roasted with fire and unleavened bread, bitter herbs. Eat it, don't eat it raw or sodden with water. Roast it with fire, his head and his legs, with pertinence thereof. And you will let nothing of it remain till morning. That which remains till morning burn with fire. And you will eat this with your loins girt, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand. I'm going to pass through the land of Egypt this night and smite the firstborn in the land of Egypt, man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. The blood will be to you for a token on your house where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over, and the plague will not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. You see, years later, it's 500 years later, and it still there still has to be a difference in the sheep. There still has to be something different. There is a difference in a spotted sheep and a white sheep. The people of the shepherds the, those people, that family of Jacob has grown up. It was 70 when they went into Egypt. At this point, it could be in the millions. A people of shepherds have now been turned into slaves, and God is requiring, okay, slaves, in order for you to become shepherds again, I need you to have some sheep that's pure white. There's a different difference now. There was a defining difference that the if I if it's a white sheep in the middle of mine, it's stolen. And now if there's a white sheep in the middle of mine, it's gonna die. 
It's a picture of Christ's church. God wants every ugly, messed up soul that there is to come to the church. You see, he told Jacob, Jacob said, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get all the ugly sheep and I'm going to bring them into my flock. I'm going to bring all the spotted, nasty, gross sheep, the ones that don't look good, and I'm going to bring them into my flock. But 500 years later, there are going to be pure white sheep that were born naturally into my flock. It's a picture of Christ's church. God wants every ugly, messed up soul that there is. But if it's going to be preserved, it has to produce something spotless. You see, I'm going to talk today about he wants the spotted, but he requires the spotless. Sounds a little confusing. I heard that when I, when I felt that in prayer the first time, I was like, God, how on earth am I supposed to bring that together? I've looked at this story of Jacob so many times, and I'm like, when it comes to Passover, he's wanting these pure white sheep. He's wanting these perfect sheep without blemish. He wants this sheep right here on my right hand here. But the ones that Jacob picked was the left-hand dude. He picked the ones that were not perfect. But somehow, over the course of time, those not perfect sheep, that's all he had in the flock, produced perfect sheep. That's the process that we're reading about in Timothy. When he says this, he says there's some to honor and some to dishonor, but it's going to end up purging from these. Then it will be a vessel of honor and meat for master's use. The Lord knows what's his and what's not his. So if you're in the name of Christ, you've got to depart from iniquity. You see, but Jesus is okay with you coming in here messed up. He wants, he wants you to come in here messed up. He wants you to come in here messed up. We, we, we read in John 4, we, we read about a woman. He comes up to her and he says, give me something to drink. Why are you even talking to me is her response. You know, all these people, look, you know I'm a different race that you guys don't like. And if you knew these people in town, you know they don't even like me. I'm the most messed up of the messed up. And he's like, you know, there's a day coming when it's not going to be Jerusalem and it's not going to be over the mountain in Samaria. We're all going to worship together. Yeah. And whosoever, it's going to be all, anybody. I'll, I, my only requirement for worship is going to be that you're in grace and in truth. That I, I only want you to be in spirit and in truth. That's all I'm asking for. And she ends up saying, oh, you're that guy. You're the one. I, I think I found the answer. She runs into town and tells them all, I have found someone who knows what I am and still is willing to talk to me. That is who Jesus is. He knows everything that you've got wrong with you, but he still wants you. He wants every spotted sheep in the middle of it. We read in Matthew chapter 9, it come to pass, Jesus said at meet in the house, many publicans and sinners came down with him and his disciples. That's all the most hated guys in town. 
The Pharisees saw it and they said, what is going on here? Why is your master eating with publicans and sinners? Jesus overhears them. They're not even talking to Jesus. And Jesus says, well, let me tell you. You see, if there's a doctor, he's not taking care of healthy people. He's taking care of the sick ones. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I don't care how spotted and ugly you are. I want you. I want you. I want the ones that are spotted. I want the ugly. I want them to come out here because I know they are the ones that need me. We read about the same thing in Mark 2 and 15. Jesus is sitting in meet with the publicans and the sinners. They're asking why he says it. I am calling the righteous. I'm not calling the righteous. I'm calling the sinners. This is in every single one of the Gospels, except for John. John does things just a little bit different, but he talks about Nicodemus. He talks about the woman at the well. He he talks about the individual more than just the uh, more than just the wide picture. We read Luke five. This. Same story. I'm not called. I, I'm not going to. I, I'm talking to the sinners, not the righteous ones. Why are you eating with publicans and sinners? I'm coming to call the righteous. I'm not talking to the righteous. I'm talking to the sinners. We read about it in Revelation when he says, Whosoever will let him come. John 10. See, he is he's willing to accept anybody in. He's willing to take in anybody. He calls himself the good shepherd in John chapter number 10. You see that good shepherd. If they if they are entering into the sheep hole and not coming in by the door, they're a thief and a robber. But he that comes in by the door is the shepherd. The him the porter is going to open. When the sheep hear his voice, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth his own sheep, he goes before them. The sheep follow him. They know his voice. A stranger will they not follow. They have that certain difference, that defining difference. They know they are his then I say, I am the door of the sheep. Anyone who didn't come in through me, they're thieves and robbers. So if you're going to go in and you want to help the sheep, you've got to come in through Jesus. Otherwise, you're not helping the sheep. You're pulling the sheep out. I am the door. If any man enter in, he's going to be saved. He's going to go in and out. He's going to find pasture. But that thief, he's coming to kill, to steal, to destroy. I am come. They might have life and that more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. You see, here's where the difference comes in. He's not just a shepherd. He's not just a leader. We're not just sheep. We are just sheep, but he is not just a shepherd, but also a sheep. He came in to be that spotless lamb because he realized the only way that we're ever going to get a spotless lamb in this flock is if I come in and do it myself. Because, yeah, I called in all the ugly, messed up sheep, but 
I need someone pure and spotless out of the midst of them, and not a single one's coming in. He wrote it in the Psalms. He said, there is none righteous, no, not one. And that was true in the days of Saul, but there ended up being one righteous. That one righteous was Jesus. Jesus came in to be the one and only righteous man. He came to save. You see, we read about it in, in Romans 5 and 19. It said, as one man, sin entered into the world. By the same nature, by one man, will mankind be saved. You see, Adam brought sin into the world, but Jesus says, I'm taking all the sin out of the world. And he showed his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. You know this world's messed up, don't you? If you don't know this within the course of the last 366 days or so, uh, I hope you've figured it out by now. That this world is messed up. You see, we, we figured out somewhere around February and March that there was a couple of random guys on the side of the road that killed a man, and it made everyone upset because of racism. Then we get a little further into the last year, and there's people who are supposed to be law-abiding citizens putting their knees on top of a guy's neck. Then we can come on further into somewhere around November, and we're accusing the very political system of cheating. And then we get into January, and uh, because no one's done done anything about the cheating or not cheating, whatever it was, I'm not stating my opinion on that, but still, we are able to have half the country believe that cheating happened. So what does that say about our leaders? And then everyone just gets upset. The government's not doing anything about it fast enough, so they just go in and tear the government buildings apart. This world's messed up, if you didn't know. And we started last year with warnings about, uh, oh, bombs and guns and whatever else. The world's messed up, and it has been for about 5,000 years. <laughs> it's been messed up for years. And so he just said, y'all are sinners. You're messed up. And you really can't do anything about it because you're humans. And... The only thing that's ever going to fix it, you've been messed up since Adam. I'm going to have to come down to myself. Amen. Yeah. By one man, sin entered the world, and in less than a matter of less than a thousand years in, they were all just killing each other. He tried fixing it with a flood. He tried fixing it with bloods of lambs and goats, and he finally said, "I'm just going to have to fix this myself." I tried a law, I tried a flood, I tried a covenant, I tried this, I tried that. The only way I'm going to do this is to come here myself. I tried prophets, I tried teachers, I tried, I, I, I tried a temple, I tried sheep, I tried this and that. But the only thing is I'm going to have to come in and be a spotless lamb. Yes, I want every one of you spotted or not. But I require the only way that you can enter into my kingdom is to be spotless. I need spotless. I mean, we've all heard it. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's John 3.16. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So he's willing to accept anybody. But he accepts anyone. But he requires spotless. He'll accept every spotted, streaked, black, brown sheep. But he requires spotless. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the condemnation. You see, some uh, Jesus put it this way. He said, oh, you say I've come into the world to abolish the law. No, I'm not come to abolish the law. I'm come to fulfill the law. I've come for... You see, it said in the law that you, you shouldn't commit adultery, but I'm saying that if you have looked on a woman to lust after her, you've already committed adultery. I, you say do no murder, but I say if you hate someone, you've committed murder. So this is this kind of brings about the question that the disciples asked at one point later on when he said it is... Surely, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. His disciples said, so who's able to be saved? And there's the catch. You see, with men, this is impossible. Yeah. But with God, all Things are possible. He requires this change. But he doesn't require you to change alone. He, he says in Luke 13, he talks about how, uh, I, I was talking to someone this past week, they, they told this story in Luke 13. I, I had never really noticed it before. There were present at that season some that told him, of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with sacrifices. Jesus said, do you suppose these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? Do you think just because someone's awful, they get awful things done to them? I tell you, no. But except you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18, because the tower of Siloam fell, some people died in a horrible accident. Do you think this was punishment from God? Do you think there were sinners worse than everyone in Jerusalem? No. But except you repent, you will all likewise perish. And then he kind of explained it with a story. He said, a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. He came and sought fruit, and he found none. Then he told the gardener, he said, I have been looking at this tree for three years and it's not getting any better. You have been going to that church for three years and you are still a mess. Just get rid of it. 
You ought to just leave. You ain't no good. You're not getting any better. And he said, leave it alone this year till I'll dig around it and I'll dung it and I'll take care of it. And if it bears fruit, good. But if not, if after having Jesus take care of you for one more year, Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to, I am ready to fix you. I'm the one who's going to fix you. What's that mean? Does that mean you don't have to do any work? No, he still said, I'm going to take care of this tree, but it might not put forth any fruit. That tree still got to grow. That tree might be a bad tree. We don't know. But give me one more chance. And that's what Jesus has been saying about you every single year you've been in this church. He said it all through 2020, all through 2019, all through 2018. Oh, just give me one more year. Give me a little more time to work on it. I, I'll get this thing going. I, I, I'm going to shape David up. I'm going to shape Eddie up. I'm going to shape Janet up. I, 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 just give me a little bit more time. I'm going to shape Pastor up. If it bears fruit, good. You see, he's going to accept you just the way you are. He's ready to change you and make you everything you need to be. He can make... You know, there, there, it mentions it at one point. Can a tiger change its stripes? Can a sheep become white? No. With man, that's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. He can purge you. He can clean you up. It's that verse that we said here. If you purge yourself, you'll be a vessel to honor sanctified. He can shape you up himself. But he requires you to do a little bit of work. If you'll do your work, he'll do his work. Acts 17, it says, in your times of ignorance, he winked at it. It's Acts 17 and 30. At these times of ignorance, God winked at it. He's like, oh, that's cute. That's cute. Uh, they don't know what they're doing. They don't have no idea what they're doing. That's so cute. But now he's calling all men everywhere to repent. He's calling all men everywhere to repent. We talked a little bit about John 3. He told Nicodemus in John 3, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. But that wasn't his first words to John. That wasn't his first words to Nicodemus. His first words to Nicodemus was, Nicodemus said, wow, you must be from God with all this work you've been doing. And he says, except a man be born again, he can't enter into the kingdom of God. Well, that's not right. That's not what I expected you to tell me. I was hoping you were just going to tell me how all these miracles have happened. I, I, I thought maybe you were going to explain to me a little bit about who you are. He said, oh, I am. Except a man be born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, well, how can a man be born when he's old? That don't make sense. He's supposed to go back into the mother's womb a second time? Jesus said, Except the man be born again of water and of the Spirit, he can't enter the kingdom of God. Marvel not, I said, you must be born again. The wind goes where it wants to. You hear where it's going, but you can't tell where it's coming or where it's going. You can just hear it. And this is the Spirit speaking to you right now. So everyone is that's born of the Spirit. You don't know how it works. But if you'll just let the Spirit do the work, I can work. 
We know this. We testify. We've seen it. And I told you earthly things. How will you, and you believe that? How will you understand heavenly? No man's ascended to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, the Son of Man, which is in heaven. Just like Moses lifted up that serpent, so I'm going to have to be lifted up. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You see, you've got to be born again. And, that, and the only reason that's even an option is because of that cross. Because he became the spotless lamb that, they, that Moses was requiring of the Israelites. He gave his own sins so that one day there's going to be a spirit that comes through this world and he's going to take what's his and leave what's not. You see, there was a Passover that killed the firstborn in the old days, but now there's a Passover that's going to take the sinless, spotless lambs up to heaven. But the only way to get there is to be a spotless lamb. And the only way to be a spotless lamb is you've literally got to be born again. Born again. You see, he explained it. Jesus said, born again of the water of the Spirit. Acts 17.30 said, all men everywhere have to repent. But it was all put together for us in Acts chapter 2. I'm about to close here. Acts chapter 2. I'm about to close. The Spirit came sweeping in in Acts 2 and 4. It said, suddenly a sound came from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And this is that Spirit that they had to be born again from. And, and there set upon each of them cloven tongues like as a fire. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. And this was noised abroad. The whole town was suddenly talking. Something crazy is going on in an upper room in Jerusalem. And suddenly all the Jerusalem spreading the word all around. And they're like, what is going on here? I don't know what's going on. I don't know how this is happening. Well, this is that. Peter stands up and he says, these men aren't a bunch of drunk weirdos. He says, this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. It will come to pass in the last days, says God. I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. You see, these people of the world, they've been spotted for a long time. But this is that that's going to make them spotless. This is that that's going to transform them. This is that. You see, Jesus came down from he came down from heaven and he explained some things. He was lifted up before all of you. And you guys killed the Son of God. And they was like, what are we supposed to do about that? And then Peter said, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of your sins. And then you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You see that promise is for you. And for your children. And to all that are far off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. You've been spotted for a long time, but he's requiring something spotless. Paul would write one day, be ye perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. He wants every spotted one of you to come in. And that is every one of us. But he said, you can be born again.
as a spotless lamb. I'm closing right here. These altars are open. You see, we can do exactly what Peter said. If we will repent. Tell God that we are sorry for our sins and sin no more. There was a there was a there was a spotted lamb that was dropped before Jesus that was caught in the act of adultery. There was a spotted lamb that was caught in the act of adultery. And she was brought before Jesus. And they said, Moses said we can stone this woman. What do you say? He said, I'm pretty sure every one of you responded. If you're without sin, you can cast the stone. If you have lied, if you have cheated, if you have stolen, if you've committed adultery in your heart or otherwise, if you've murdered in your heart or otherwise, if you've hated, you're a spotted lamb. So they all left one by one. They all left one by one, from the oldest to the youngest. And there was no one left but Jesus. And she looked up and realized no one else was around. And Jesus said, no one's condemned you anymore. But go and sin no more. And that's what Peter said, repent. Go and sin no more. Turn to Jesus. Come to these altars and turn to Jesus. Go and sin no more. But keep on growing. Keep on being spotless. Because when those sins are washed clean, you've then got to put on the name of Jesus. Put on the identity of that spotless lamb in baptism. You can go down in that water, talk to pastor, talk to someone else and say, I, I need to become a spotless lamb. I want to have that washed away in the name of Jesus. I want to be baptized in Jesus' name because that's the only name that can save us. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Whereby we must be saved. And then when you come out, you can truly have, you can truly be born again of the water and of the Spirit. And you will be led of the Spirit. You'll begin to truly be able to live spotless with love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faith, long, suffering, meekness, and remembrance. Because against such there is no law. That's the Spirit. That's what Jesus offers. And we can be a truly spotless lamb. That is what's required. You can come in spotted, but leave spotless. So please, if you're not at these altars already, please come to these altars. Repent. Turn from your sin. And if, and if you've not been baptized, talk to pastor. Talk to me. Talk to someone in this church. We can either explain it to you or we can, we can pull out. The, we can get the water filled up and you can be baptized in the name of Jesus. And after that, he promises you can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. Somebody come to these altars. Somebody, let's alter our lives. Let's be spotless. I'm so glad we're here.